Hi, my name is Amanda. My pronouns are she, her, hers. Hi, my name is Maggie. I use they, them pronouns. Hello, my name is Matt. My pronouns are he, him, his. Hello, everyone. My name is Lindsay. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. Hi, my name is Andrew. My pronouns are he slash him. Hey, my name is Kristen, and my pronouns are she and her. Hi, my name is Preston Allen. My pronouns are he, him. Hi, my name is Matt. My pronouns are he, him, and his. Hi, my name is Rachel. My pronouns are she, her, hers, and I would describe myself as being bi slash queer. And I am a cisgender gay male. And I am a trans man who does not label his sexuality at this time. I identify as a female and a super awkward lesbian. And I am a gay man. And I'm... I was previously bisexual. Now I would say pan or omni or just love everybody. And I am queer. And I am a queer non-binary artist. And while I do not tend to identify or like to put myself into boxes, this one has been wildly empowering for me. So I am a bisexual woman and I'm fucking here for it. Welcome to the Live Your Fuck Yes Life podcast, your place for all things real talk and conscious conversations about shit that really fucking matters. I'm Amanda Catherine Loy, mindset coach, actor, and truth teller extraordinaire. Each week, I'll bring you a guest or a thought to help you face your fears, speak your truth, and get you one step closer to living your fuck yes life. Are you ready? Here we go. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to episode 100. Holy fuckballs. We are at 100. And I'm so, so stoked, like seriously fucking stoked to end this season, to come together for our 100th episode, which so happens to, and while the universe works in the most incredible ways, I cannot even put this up to coincidence because I believe so deeply that we were meant to hit 100 on the last uh, the last week of June, which in Chicago, which is where I live, is Pride Week. And um, this weekend, as, as um, you're listening to this, would have been um, Pride Weekend. And it also happens to be a year since me publicly coming out as bisexual. And I just was really thinking about how I wanted to celebrate 100 episodes because it's a big fucking deal. And there couldn't be a more celebratory, honest compilation of um, stories and reflections and light than what today's episode has in store for all of you. I never expected to feel a part of the queer community. It was something that I always was a part of by extension. Um, Being a theater kid, I was surrounded, especially growing up in Toronto, I was surrounded by the LGBTQIA community so much and and in some ways not at all Um, and in other ways uh, I had a lot of friends who came out to me who were gay and um, 
it just was a part of my understanding. Um, but I personally uh, always felt like an ally. You know, the same way that I have identified as an ally for the Black Lives Matter movement, for really any um, any uh, sect of human um, and, and 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 person in the world who I can't I, I can't you know relate to because I don't have that experience or have any sense of understanding of what it's like to actually be there who navigate and experience oppression, um, but I. I'm there with them by the, by their side as an ally, and I always identified as an ally. And um, I never owned who I really was for years. Um, and you know, I'm going to link the episode um, where I chat with um, my best friend and um, the incredible uh, psychotherapist and sex educator Rachel Rachel Wright all about. Um, fluidity of sexuality where I do actually come out on the podcast which was like a year ago basically almost to the day I'll link that in the show notes for you guys to listen to um and there are a lot of of terms that um humans who I had the pleasure of hearing their stories and who you're about to hear their stories as well um who are are showing up today um talk about um that maybe you've never heard of um and we do talk about a lot of those in the episode on um sexual fluidity um but I will also be going over the with them over them with you here a little bit um before we dive in just so that you have um a basis because part of uh part of how we uh, eradicate oppression and part of how we come together in celebration, whether you are a part of a community or an ally, is through education. And part of my queerness um, has been educating myself around um, sexuality and gender and how we love. And so much of that for the longest time, even growing up in a very um, liberal space and being surrounded by a lot of people who identified within the LGBTQIA community, I still very much saw sexuality as binary. You are either gay or straight. And the whole concept of being somewhere kind of in the middle of that was something that I never really really took much note of you know I'd heard of the term bisexual but for a long time and even until I think you know a few years ago um being bisexual and and owning that for yourself so many people would say well that's just a step towards you being gay and I remember uh I remember so vividly having moments um all throughout you know the last uh mostly I would say like my college beyond years where I would have moments where I would have these feelings you know whether they were actual like full-fledged like feelings for a woman or um you know I would see a woman from across the room and I you know I would say like she's attractive but I meant it beyond just like oh I think she I can like you know just just say that she's an attractive person because you can say that about anyone right but it was more than that it was like I was thinking about what it would be like to kiss her and you know at the time I was in 
and still am in, um, you know, a relationship with a man and um, a committed relationship with a man that was monogamous. And I, you know, hadn't really, you know, even considered that and, and also had had so much narrative around the fact that I was even having these thoughts as, does this mean I'm gay? You know, instead of um, owning that, we all kind of live somewhere on the spectrum and some of us may be more of a Kinsey six than a Kinsey zero, or some of us may live more on a three, which is where I tend to be. Um, if you don't know anything about the Kinsey scale, again, listen to that episode. I'll, I'll link it in the show notes. Um, but I really wanted to highlight what it's like to be queer and not just from my voice because Um, I can only show you my story, right? So much of why I wanted to start this podcast in the first place um, was because I wanted to have candid, real, conscious conversations with people who were different than me. Um, Or maybe we had similarities in some ways, but we had different experiences because I believe that how we grow and how we shine a light on ourselves is to hear other people's stories and to ingest what they're saying and say me too and hear, hear pieces of their experiences and feel a little bit less alone because we've had that moment too. And maybe we've never admitted it to ourselves out loud or maybe we've never told anybody, but hearing it even on a podcast can unlock something inside of ourselves. And I have had the absolute pleasure, and I have the absolute pleasure of sharing with you the stories of eight incredible humans that identify in the um, LGBTQIA space um, who are part of the queer community. And the beautiful part about each and every single one of their stories is that they are all so different and yet also so similar in a lot of ways. And there is light and celebration and coming into their own and liberation. And there's also hardship and struggle and insecurity and doubt and everything in between. There is humanity because at the root, at the root, while yes, every single person that you will be hearing from today um, identifies as part of the LGBTQIA community. They are at their core a human being. And as humans, we feel all the things. As humans, we navigate so much. Um, And we are also all a lot more the same than we uh, make ourselves out to be. It is so much easier... uh, I think, and as humans, we've gotten so, so used to finding the differences and focusing on that, and the world is showing us that more than ever right now, and I see a movement towards sameness, towards coming together, and I feel like this episode embodies that in such a beautiful way. Before we dive into these incredible stories I wanted to just go over a quick glossary of what some of these terms are because maybe you're unfamiliar and I encourage you to do the research yourself as well. Um, I am certainly no expert in this place, um, but part of being 
a conscious human is being an educated human, is being somebody who, when they say, I don't understand or I don't know, they go and, and figure it out. So what does it mean to, you know, the LGBTQIA, what does that mean? For the longest time, um, it was only considered, you only really heard LGBT, um, which, you know, the L stands for lesbian, G stands for gay, B stands for bisexual, T stands for transgender. But there are a lot of other, um, it's kind of an umbrella term, right? There are a lot of other um, ways that we identify, and you'll, you'll see that within the podcast as well. Um, the QIA was added on, um, I'm not sure specifically when, um, but Q stands for queer, I stands for intersex, and A stands for asexual. And there are even ones that do not live within that place. For example, I personally, yes, identify as bisexual. I also, um, you're, you're going to hear the, the term pansexual um, on the podcast, um, which is uh, a term for somebody who doesn't really see gender, and it's all about loving the person. Um, and and there's also, you know, a slew of other ways to identify yourself, and um, you're going to see people who strongly identify with a with a quote label um which i think as as humans really we use these as a way to help other people understand more than you know often we we need ourselves to i personally have found it very liberating um to really really hone in and and stand in my truth as a bisexual woman um and and really using that that label to identify myself it's been wildly empowering for me but a lot of people don't find that to be empowering and you'll see the variety of that within the incredible humans that you're about to hear from as well um so yeah i i encourage you to just like live in these moments. If you are part of the queer community, you are loved. And, um, and I hope you hear yourself in all of these incredible stories, these coming out stories, these owning of, of being a part of um, the queer community stories and beyond. And if you are not, I hope that you, uh, I hope you come into today with, uh, an open heart to absorb these stories that probably aren't going to sound so different than yours. And I hope that this, uh, this episode is a reminder that at the root, like I said, we are all just human. And when we can choose to come together and love each other for who we are at our core, for our sexuality, for uh, our gender, for uh, the way we choose to love, for the color of our skin and beyond, that the world is a fucking better place. So without further ado, here are the incredible humans that I had the pleasure of, uh, of hearing their stories. Um, hi, my name is Maggie. I use they, them pronouns, and I am a queer non-binary artist. Coming out, I started coming out to my close friends in high school. Um, I literally came out to my closest friends by calling them on the phone and singing, I kissed a girl and I liked it. Because I'm that person um and and they and they know they knew that I had like gone on a date with a girl um and they were like oh my god we knew it um 
anyways so that was how I came out to my that was my first time coming out and that was really happy it was exciting it was also really controlled and safe because I was just telling like my three closest friends I came out to my family I would have been what 23 I was just about to turn 24 um and my mom called me and she was like, so I saw some pictures on your Facebook. You're going to be in love with that woman soon, aren't you? And she just like knew. And I was like, well, I was actually going to tell you myself soon uh, in person. And mom and I had like a, a hard talk. Um, fluidity and not being uh, polarized in queerness is something that was difficult for her to grasp at first. My dad is the more conservative, more extremely conservative family member, and he responded better than like anyone in the family. He was just like, I, you know, I'm not surprised that you're telling me that you're gay. I just want you to know that I love you. And if you love someone and they respect you, then I hope I'm lucky enough to get to meet them. And that was kind of it. Uh, I didn't finish coming out to my family until last summer, right after Pride Month. And, um, and it didn't go so well. Um, however, at that point, I was coming out to the most conservative members of my family and I kind of had an idea of what would happen and it was pretty bad. But I'd been able to have enough time to gain my own confidence and empowerment through coming out over and over and reevaluating like, how do I identify um, again, going from being bi to lesbian to pan to queer and non-binary, like it's been a process. Um, and I'm really comfortable with just saying that I'm queer and I like it. Um, but coming out last summer, what I noticed the biggest shift was, was that there was no more shame in telling my family that I'm not straight. And that was, that was big. It was still a really hard day of phone calls and conversations to have. Um, but what I didn't realize was that because I hadn't come out to them, I was still carrying a really large weight on my back. And as soon as those conversations were over, they didn't go well, <laughs> but that weight was gone because there was no more hiding and no more lying. And that, that was a really, really liberating moment of, okay, well, honestly, the hardest people it's ever going to be for me to communicate my truth to, no. And that's over. And I never have to do that again, at least not completely from the ground up. And that just really opened this huge window of excitement and, um, and newfound strength and confidence in my identity that I've really not had before. And this past year has just been a year of sitting in that and being happy that I don't have to hide from my family anymore. Um, and a lot of my family is super encouraging and supportive and like, they're like, yeah, we have someone to get, that's gay in the family. <laughs> like, this is cool. Um, but it, it's changed. It went from being only shameful and fearful to, you know, it took about 10 years. And every year there was some big step of coming out for the most part. Um, yeah, it took like 10 years to really come out fully in steps. And then by this last year, that shame was gone. Hello, my name is Matt. My pronouns are he, him, his, and I am queer. And it has honestly taken me a 
quite some time to feel comfortable saying that and accepting that part of myself. I didn't actually come out to my family until my immediate family until about four years ago when I was 26. And then the rest of my family, the extended family a year later, um, don't get me wrong. Before that, I did identify as bisexual while I lived in Chicago to my friend group. And then even before that, I was experimenting with guys. But it was hard for me to accept. Um, because when I was in uh, school, I mean, dating all the way back to elementary school, like so many people in our community, I was ridiculed and teased for being gay. Um, my mom actually remembers the first time I came home in probably like second or third grade, and I asked her what gay meant, and because I had always assumed that gay was happy. So actually, whenever someone would be like, you're so gay, I would respond and say, thank you, I am happy, uh, <laughs> and go on my merry way, you know? But I had a higher voice. I was shorter. I was a little bit more effeminate, you know, because um, my hips swayed more when I walked, which all the quote-unquote normal boys, they didn't do. Um, so I was gay. And being the stubborn person I am, I didn't want to admit that they were right. I didn't want to prove them right. So for a very long time, I kind of ignored and shut down any sort of attraction that I had to guys. And I just kind of write, wrote it off as like, I don't know, this is just some guys just experiment, you know, this is what we do. Um, and the it's hard to come to terms with having actual feelings for women as well. I had really big crushes on girls growing up. So it was kind of hard to, uh, to balance those two, I guess. But about four years ago, I was in Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, being surrounded by just so many confident, strong, queer people. And we were all just really sharing our love for ourselves and for others. And it, it was just so marvelous that, um, but then my parents came down to see the show and I was terrified. I, and don't get me wrong, like my parents have seen me play gay on so many occasions before this. They have seen me kiss boys. They have seen me half naked. But this one was different um, because Priscilla, I felt more myself than ever before. And so I made the decision that night that I was going to tell them and tell them I did. And actually, they were, of course, 100% okay with it. But it was still terrifying, you know, because it's me. It's not some thought or theory. Uh, but they they were so on board with it. Um, and then the following year, I was actually in a relationship. And so I decided to tell my extended family before. Um, bef so I felt comfortable posting on social media. So I sent them an email and said, hey, I love you all. And I want you to know this about me. Um, and I ended up coming out as queer because it's the term that really felt like it fit for me. You know, it, I have had very strong feelings for women. Right now, I am currently in, interested in men. And that's, I, I don't know where that's going to go. If I find someone that I truly care for on an emotional and sexual and physical level and, and just 
everything, then that's great. And it, um, and I'll stick with them. But maybe if I don't find a guy, maybe in five, 10 years, I'll find a woman. I don't know. <laughs> it's the adventure of life. And I feel like queer really helps say that it's okay. I'm not straight, you know? Hello, everyone. My name is Lindsay. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. And I'm, I was previously bisexual. Now I would say pan or omni or just love everybody. I have found someone in almost every category that I've fallen for. I feel like my love has no restrictions or, um, categories or buckets to fall into. I'm also polyamorous, so I tend to find ways and areas and spaces of love in so many different relationships. Coming out for me was a really is a really interesting process because when I was really little, I never I didn't understand that not everyone liked both. And when I was younger, it really was bisexual, like understanding this binary gender. And I, I liked men, I liked women, I liked girls, I liked boys, I had crushes on, you know, male teachers and female teachers. I remember so distinctly being young and in front of my stuffed animals and wanting to get married and getting married to a boy on one arm and a girl on the other. And I just, it didn't process for a really long time. And so I would say my coming out story was more coming to the realization that not everyone was that way. And then starting to realize the intense reactions I would get from people when I did make it clear that I liked both. And for a long time, it was just something I didn't, didn't overtly state, but didn't hide. So when I was watching TV with my family, I would lust after men and women equally. And yet we just never talked about it. And then later when I was finally in a long-term relationship with a woman and wanted her to meet my mother and my sister, I sat them down and told them formally. And both of them had intense reactions and were like, oh, this and that, or, oh, you're doing it for attention or, oh, I had no idea. And then within five minutes, my mom was like going through a checklist of all my close female friends being like, I always thought something. And I'm like, you can't say both. You can't say you didn't have any clue. Oh my God. So jarring and so shocking. And then whip out this list of women who you've always questioned and so that was always funny to me. I was like, guys, if you spend five minutes with me, you know, I like hit on both equally. I will lust after both equally. Like it's always been an equal playing field for everyone. So I guess that's the interesting version of like coming out slash it was more hiding for me. And being a part of the queer community has been one of my favorite things for a really long time. There's a sense of safety and a sense of camaraderie and community and just like unconditional support that I've never felt in another community space. I've had communities like sorority sisters and I've had communities of other entrepreneurs and I've had communities of hobbies and interests and this and that and nothing has ever gotten even remotely close to just the like blood, sweat, and tears, ride or die support that you get from an absolute stranger when you identify as part of the queer community. And it's been so foundational to not only my life, but like how I define myself and how, what I pride myself on and just how I've blossomed and bloomed in this life. So much of it is in deep, like 
gratitude from that space and from always being able to find that all the way back from chat rooms when I was younger to that community in college and then finding polyculture and kink culture and queer culture as an adult and like there's just there's no comparison when you see that little rainbow flag on someone's arm on someone's bio the the conversations are different the support is different the feeling is different and I'm so just like at the core, grateful for the fact that I'm a part of that community and got to have that community when growing up was like not super easy and not super fun. And I just, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Hi, my name is Andrew. My pronouns are he slash him and I am a gay man. For me, coming out was a really easy process, both to my parents and my close friends. I think my parents knew for a very long time that I was gay. They were just kind of waiting for me to say it. As a child, I often did things that people might stereotype as girly, and I never really did the kind of things that you'd expect a boy my age to do. With the fact that they had lots of time to come to terms with my sexuality, and the fact that both my parents were fairly heavily left-leaning, it really wasn't a difficult process, at least compared to most people. I didn't come out to my friends until my first university, when I really started to come to terms with myself. Before that, I was always kind of the shy, awkward kid who didn't really have a lot of friends. The friends I'd made in university very quickly realized that I wasn't straight, and looking back, I have a hard time believing that almost anyone did, because I didn't really do a very good job of pretending to be into girls. Because of that, they knew that within the first few weeks of school. Coming out to them was incredibly easy, and they've been so supportive of me the whole time. To be honest, I don't really see myself as part of the queer community. I've only gone to Pride once, and I've never really been to a, in a club or society. Um, the fact that there were people that are incredibly brave that fought for my rights before me is something that I'll always be grateful for. We're going to get into more of that later in this episode, but I wanted to hop on as we're at the halfway mark of these stories um, because I just, as I was recording with all of these incredible humans, I noticed a lot of patterns, a lot of things that kept coming up. And it's so interesting, right? You're hearing these stories, you're seeing individuals sharing about how their coming out process was complicated and layered or simple and seamless or how they had really uh, positive reactions or hard reactions and and also how very, very different people who are all a part of the same community relate to and identify within this space in very different ways, right? Some feel super connected to the queer community to uh and some don't and some don't um some just feel like it's it's really their identity and it's less about the community experience and I think all of that again just speaks to the heart that we are as human beings diverse and what brings all of these humans together and myself together is that um we identify as, you know, quote, other. Uh, the way that we love, the way that we, uh, we uh, identify sexually is not the, the norm, right? Is against what has been normalized, especially in North America. And having a space to be able to express ourselves and and come home this is really what I feel has been is like the through line is ultimately one way or another no matter what the experiences I hear it's that really it's about coming home to ourselves 
it's about honoring a part of ourselves that we may have kept quiet um, or hidden from ourselves, from other people because of the lack of acceptance, because it was outside of what we were taught was normal. When really it's just about love. It's about the way we love and who we're attracted to, right? Um, which at its core is so simple. And yet uh, it can feel so complicated because of the way society has created this binary world that we live in, right? Um, you're, you're even hearing stories and will continue to around uh, you know, monogamy versus polyamory. Um, and, and that's obviously not a sexual identity, um, but, but it, it's, it's a way of choosing to love. Um, and, uh, and, and that has also is, is, is against the binary, right? We, we are taught that either you are, um, that you, you do this, you do, you do this thing. Society tells you that, um, your path to life is to get married to one person forever and always. And if you get a divorce or someone cheats, it's a failure instead of doing it ethically. And, and I love, um, I love that all of these humans talk so openly about that. We're going to be getting into, uh, the next four stories and again like I said talk more about uh, what pride looks like this year because it's a really important piece of the dialogue that so many of these humans and souls brought up um, and I think what you're about to hear are some stories that are, are rooted um, a couple of them specifically in coming home to ourselves in a whole new light a whole different way so uh, stay tuned for that and um, let's get going Hey, my name is Kristen, and my pronouns are she and her. I identify as a female and a super awkward lesbian. Um, my coming out story, well, it kind of really happened. Um, <laughs> it didn't happen with my permission, I'll say that. Um, when I was 19, I had been identifying as a straight girl my entire, you know, up my life up until that point. But I had always really known that I was pulled towards and had this connection to or attraction to females. And when I was 19, I was training my replacement because I was moving. And the moment she walked through the door, I, I, I was in love. I can't even explain it. Um, and she was straight and I was straight, but we weren't. And we admitted to each other after building a friendship that we had these feelings and we entered into a romantic relationship and it was really beautiful. Um, to this day, it's really a beautiful relationship. But um, when I moved to Rhode Island, I left a bunch of things behind at my parents' house. And one of those things was a journal in which I had bared my soul into um, about this relationship and about the fact that I was gay. And my mom went through all of the things I left behind when I moved and she read that journal entry and she called me really, really angrily one night. Um, and the first words that came out of her mouth after saying, you know, hi, were, uh, this isn't normal, Kristen. And what proceeded to follow that was... <laughs> Um, just this, honestly, all of the things that I had ever thought that she would say or that I had ever feared that she or somebody else would say to me, she just said them all. And it was the most shameful moment of my life. And it really was a moment that would 
change the trajectory of how I felt about my sexuality and myself. Um, and so I was outed and my dad found out and I had told my sister already, we were really close and a couple of close friends, but at that point, once my parents knew it was kind of like the dam had broke. And so I just told people and everybody with the exception of my mom was really accepting. And, um, you know, my sister came around and she, she stood up for me and, and told my mom that if she didn't learn how to accept me as I was, that she would lose both of us. And today my mom is the most accepting and loving and, um, supportive supportive person in my life of all of the partners that I've had when I was married. She was so supportive of that. Um, and so part of my story is that I had to learn that as long as it took for me to come to terms with my sexuality, it might take other people some time too. And it would be super easy for everybody to just have accepted me right away and for me to never have faced that. But that wasn't the truth. And I had to give her time because she was faced with so many different stories from her life and her religion and all of those things that it wasn't okay with her in the beginning, but I digress. Um, so there was a lot of time where I kept my sexuality hidden from people, even though I was in really serious relationships. But over the years, I've really just come to accept who I am and love who I am and that I love who I love. And I've tried, I've tried to, you know, quote unquote, be normal, um, hetero and man, it was like betraying my soul every time. And so now I'm just, you know, I'm just okay with being who I am and loving who I love. And, um, I'm so happy and so grateful to be a part of like such a beautiful community like this because, I can't think of people who've been more supportive or more understanding when I'm navigating things in my life. And with the, you know, the tenet of love is love, there's just so much to give around that I'm so appreciative of. And so many brave souls that I've met who just stand in their truth and whether or not they've ever questioned it or whether or not they ever feel shaky, they just keep standing tall. And it's an honor to be a part of such a brave and beautiful and, um, honestly authentic community of of living in your truth hi my name is preston allen my pronouns are he him and i am a trans man who does not label his sexuality at this time i've been uh coming out since sixth grade in different ways and i'm really really lucky in that my family is very accepting um and there's never been any sort of like pushback or anything there's always just been kind of has been a few questions but open arms um so in sixth grade after shortly after my brother came out as gay i came out as a lesbian i was like haha words <laughs> and uh, and a connection and community and that inspired me to come out um and then from sixth grade till I uh, started transitioning. I identified as a lesbian um, and that was my experience growing up and growing up in Texas and dating. And, um, and, you know, I, I, I still very much date women, but it wasn't quite right. And I always knew it wasn't quite right. And I couldn't quite figure out um, like why I had a disconnect from that identity for myself. Um, Cause it felt like it should be true. And it felt like, you know, definitely in some of the ways my attractions were working that it should be true, but it never felt quite right. And that was also a lot of the experience that I was having with my body. Um, I, I grew up in a family that in a healthy way, there was a focus on, on weight loss um, as much as possible. Uh, 
in a healthy way. And, um, and so my whole life, I, I'd been a curvier child, a little bit bigger, and there had been a focus on, um, on weight loss. And that had been a big part of my experience with my body. Um, so that was, that was the challenge for me was everything that I was uncomfortable with. I attributed to, Oh, just needing to lose weight. Oh, just needing to, which now I realize there was a lot of, of, toxic ideology that I don't attribute to necessarily like my family and my upbringing, you know, of course there's, you know, we're all responsible for a little bit of toxic ideology. Um, but a lot of it was, there wasn't a lot of, uh, queer representation certainly. And I was, I was learning a lot about myself and the world from the media. And of course the media portrays uh, women in a certain way that is, that can often, uh, set very unhealthy standards. And I having no connection to my female identity necessarily was building one out of the media standards which was becoming very very dangerous uh for me and i was thought oh i'll be happy with my body if my hips look like that woman's hips or you know my face looks like that woman's face or if i can just learn to do makeup and um for me you know i, I wasn't able to at that point get a clear sense of how unfair that is to women <laughs> in general um, because I was so wrapped up in trying to craft that identity for myself. Um, and then at one point it, it became clear through, through personal reflection as well as therapy, um, that my want for my hips to be slimmer or my chest to be smaller was not uh, necessarily a weight loss one. It was a shape one. It was a, I wanted my body to be uh, more masculine and, and looking back, a lot of my frustration with my shape of my body was that I had trouble fitting into um, how men's section clothes are designed. Like I couldn't button a shirt here, so I couldn't wear that shirt. And the size up was too big or the pants didn't work because of my hip size. Um, and so it was, it was interesting to kind of work through this long history of believing, you know, I needed to do this fad dieting thing and mistreat myself and hurt myself. And really it was just a lot of it was, I, my body wants testosterone. My body wants a different shape. Um, and since then I've been so, there are parts of my body that I never thought I'd reconcile, you know, parts of my body that have fat that I never thought I'd reconcile that now I love very much. And I take very good care of that. I'm not trying to, you know, get rid of, I'm not trying to do that fad diet. I'm not trying to push myself in an unhealthy direction. I'm just like, you know, can I make a healthy choice for eating? Can I exercise today? Some days that's yes. Some days that's not today. <laughs> and, um, and so that, you know, that speaks to the overall body image journey of my transition, but, but it is the, the entire history kind of of how I got here. Um, and, and I've been so happy to have dismantled a lot of that and to keep working on dismantling a lot of that. I mean, there's certain quote unquote masculine standards my body cannot possibly meet. And, um, and I, I'm dealing with that now, you know, I'm dealing with the fact that I, I do have a body designed to be curvier and um, in a way that some, some guys are not. And, uh, and luckily I've cleared out the toxic headspace of rejecting my trans identity and not understanding my trans identity in order to use that space to take care of the body that I have. Hi, my name is Matt. My pronouns are he, him, and his, and I am a cisgender gay male. Um, I officially came out my second year in college, so somewhere around 19 years old. Uh, I met this very cute and funny girl in this ballroom dancing club I joined, and after some fun conversations, I got the nerve to ask her out for Valentine's Day. 
we had a very nice meal that night and at the end of the date we ended up back at my place watching a movie in my uh, room my dorm room the you know lights were low we were super close on my bed and i could just tell that she she wanted me to do something uh you know make a move and i sat there panicking because i realized that i just didn't want to um <laughs> this gorgeous woman was beside me in my bed something i'd been told i should want my whole life and i just i did not care i wished her good night and i spent the next month freaking out uh before i finally you know sort of bit the bullet and came out to my friends and family and all of them pretty much told me they already knew and they didn't care um it was a very seamless transition from my faux straight life uh, since then I've spent a decade plus finding my own identity and, you know, a family to surround myself with that I feel supported by. But my experience with the queer community at large has been minimal. And there's a couple reasons for that. I mean, first, I'm not a huge fan of crowded public spaces. So festivals and bars and parties aren't great for me. My anxiety ramps up. I go occasionally and Usually I have to have a couple drinks before I can uh, let my freak flag fly, so to speak. Uh, but uh, I think I think the second reason for my distance from the community is a little more relevant to this discussion. I uh, <clears throat> how do I start this? Um, I'm overweight. Uh, I have been for most of my life. I, I'm not going to tell you an exact number because it's irrelevant, but I'm not uh, a stick-thin, super-attractive gay man. Um, being fat, being overweight, doesn't exclude someone from the queer space altogether, obviously, but it does color those interactions quite a bit. Uh, dating and attraction are obviously complex, and, and me being overweight isn't necessarily the only reason I'm still single, since I can be a neurotic mess. But on numerous occasions, I've, I've walked into a crowded party or bar, and I've felt terribly out of place. Uh, my body doesn't look like the, those around me, and some of the snide looks, uh, sideways looks, and... and harsh snubs I've received, uh, they just reinforce this notion that I'm not good enough, that my body isn't good enough to be seen as, frankly, a viable gay person, a viable gay sexual partner. And after all, you know, why let the, the, the chubby guy buy you a drink when you could easily find somebody twice as hot to do the same? But this is about the queer community at large. This is the real question. And that kind of attitude, that sort of prevalence of the ideal being the only thing that we pay attention to is there in the community at large as well. Hi, my name is Rachel. My pronouns are she, her, hers, and I would describe myself as being bi slash queer. My coming out story is very layered. I came out at different times of my life to different people, uh, including myself. And it wasn't until I was 30 years old that I was out thoroughly to the general public um, and celebrated myself as part of the queer community publicly. Although if I look back on my life, I have truly been a part of the queer community since I was 
15 years old. I had my first attraction that I remember and sexual experience with a woman when I was 15, then completely ignored it, forgot it happened basically. And then was shocked when I was attracted to a woman at 19, like shocked as though the thing at 15 had never occurred. Um, We dated. And at that point I came out to my family. I wanted them to be able to meet her. I wanted to feel, um, I wanted to feel supported, frankly, and it was new for me and I trusted my family and luckily my, you know, immediate family and, and close family members were very, very supportive. I then, after that relationship ended, started dating a male again. So then in my mind, it became not important to come out anymore because it was over as if who I was depended on who I was in a relationship with. Then after that relationship ended, I started dating another woman and came out to more of my friends, um, more people who were in my life at that point, but the same pattern happened. The relationship ended. I started dating a male after that. And the thought in my head was, well, if I'm with a male who needs to know, like, why, why is this helpful for anyone to know? It was all external. It was never a thought of, is this helpful for me to acknowledge? Is this helpful for me to know as part of my identity? It was constantly an external, why do they need to know? Or does it help them to know? Um, And as I got older and older and older, finally started dating Kyle. And I remember having this thought of, oh, well, I, I guess I'll never date a woman again. And I remember grieving that for a bit, which was a really interesting feeling because at the same time, I was very happy and wanted to marry Kyle. It was not an issue of if that was my person for marriage. Um, And it was confusing considering that I had really had only two relationships where, you know, I had tons of other relationships with men. Um, and finally, you know, I watched, I watched you, Amanda, come out and it lit something in me that I realized I had been shoving down, not for anyone else's comfort, but for my own. And I was really scared to acknowledge what that would look like. I was scared to say publicly, I'm a queer woman who's married and navigate those questions. And frankly, that was really selfish looking back. You know, I have compassion for that part of me. I I am not upset at that part of me. And I can acknowledge that it in the big picture was quite selfish. Um, So I came out on this podcast and it unleashed a spiral of freedom emotionally physically uh, relationally it led to more conversations it eventually led to and these two things do not have to do with one another and it eventually led to Kyle and I pulling the trigger on leading an ethical non-monogamous lifestyle having that acknowledgement of oh my gosh I could date 
a woman, I had not felt that lit up in a really long time in that way. Um, and again, that does not take anything away from Kyle or my marriage. I think that that's something that so many people don't understand is it's not that anything was missing. It's not that at all. Um, it's a, just a part of me, you know, it's like, you can like tacos and burritos. It doesn't, one doesn't take away from the other. <laughs> Being a part of the queer community means everything to me. And it's hard sometimes not to feel sad or guilty that it took me so long to publicly be a part of it. I falsely identified as an ally for so long and would go to Pride and would go to events, but with this, I'm an ally, I'm an ally, unless I was currently dating a woman, which was very short stints of my life. Um, and at those points, I still didn't fully understand bisexuality and I didn't understand fluid sexuality. And I would go back and forth between, well, do I want to marry a woman or do I want to marry a man? You know, not to mention the fact that gender was not even a part of my education growing up. So it was very binary for me, both in sexuality and gender. And realizing that not only was my attraction to people so diverse, um, but how I could develop feelings for people was so diverse and nuanced and layered. So ever since I have come out publicly, being a part of the queer community is such a big part of my life and something that I love so much and brings me so much joy and helping others to feel safe and connected and secure it's everything. It always gives me goosebumps hearing Rach uh, talk about how, you know, part of her coming out story was emboldened um, because of me having the courage to do that for myself. Um, you know, I think part of, of owning who you are and part of sharing your story and sharing your identity and sharing pieces of yourself with people, whether that's, you know, like this on a, on a forum, like, like a podcast where it's very public or even just to friends and, and being honest with your people, it can embolden and unlock in other people, uh, the, the courage, the courage to own pieces of themselves that maybe they've been hiding, um, I've gotten so many messages from so many of you since last year's podcast about being in uh, a heteronormative, uh, you know, marriage, uh, being a woman married to a man and um, being bisexual and, you know, that being really confusing and also um, opening up a very interesting dialogue when you do choose to own that piece of yourself Um with your family and friends and all sorts of things. And, um, I think there's such a narrative that like, oh, well, if, if you're owning that you're bisexual, that means you're going to, you know, leave your marriage because you want some woman too, you know? <laughs> um, and you know, that's not, sometimes it sure can be the case if you're, if, if, that, if your marriage isn't working for whatever reason. Um, but, but often more often it is not. Um, and there are layers to that. And, I just want to say thank you for all of you who have shared your stories with me and for everyone on the podcast who is sharing their story. 
we are entering and in a season of celebration around queerness that isn't just about the sparkles this year as um and the uh and the parades which don't get me wrong I genuinely miss them but that is not what the time is for pride this year um pride in 2020 is celebrating all of the black queer humans who fought for our rights as queer folk um especially so many black trans humans and I found it really beautiful um that so many of these incredible humans spoke to this um on our interviews and I wanted to share their perspectives around what it means to uh be in the queer community and what pride in 2020 feels like for them so let's dig in I think this I've the past couple of days with everything that is going on I've done a lot of reflecting on what pride meant to me a year ago and what pride means to me now and it's very different um and there's I've been trying to like sit with and uh reflect on the fact that I wouldn't have any of my liberation if it weren't for the black trans women and the people that fought at Stonewall 51 years ago um and there's a new um reverence that I hadn't taken the time to really honor in the way that we can celebrate pride now because of the fight that people in the black community and in the trans community did for us. And so that's been my biggest shift this year. And then thinking about what can I do to continue to forward this narrative um, for my students, for the young people that I know, like what is my role even if that role, and especially if that role is to amplify other voices now so that they can share, um, so that no child ever has any shame or fear like I did. Um, and so I think that's where my focus has been the past several days of thinking about what Pride meant to me a year ago and how much can change in here. I mean, I feel like 2020 has lasted 10 years already. Um, and last Pride, feels like a different life ago but there's a new there's like a much more deeply rooted like deep in my core reverence that I'm feeling this month that like last year um it was this like huge celebration and it was just almost uh like resonated more in my head and in my heart but this is resonating in my gut I mean I wouldn't be able to be who I am I wouldn't be able to celebrate. I wouldn't be able to hold hands with whoever I want, whoever I love, if it wasn't for what happened 51 years ago and the brave people that started the riots at Stonewall. Pride means something really different to me this year than it's meant every other year before because of what's going on. And I think it's really asking me to throw it all the way back and like really get educated about things like Stonewall, about where this movement came from, about why 
I have these freedoms and like who fought for these and just like not only tipping the hat, not only getting on a knee, not only like expressing gratitude for the like African-American queer individuals that stood up for all of us and created the ability for us to be in this space, but really asking more of not only myself, but my platform and my business and like really going inward and asking like, oh, if you're going to be prideful about this, if you want to stand in that rainbow outfit, if you want to enjoy this parade, if you're so grateful for the like massive in-person dating app that is the pride parade, you also have to like continue to do the work in other spaces. And I think the queer community in general, we've had this like fight for ourselves and it's so much more than that. It's like others have been fighting for us and now it's time to like really turn the inclusion to up to a whole new level and so it it definitely means something different to me this year it's asking more of me instead of just expressing gratitude instead of just being proud but it's it's proud in action it's proud in words it's proud in like what is that step you know it's interesting because like I mentioned I have celebrated pride almost every year and yet it's not the same at all um I was very much looking forward to going to the events, to participating in the parade uh, when COVID hit. And I knew that that was not going to be a reality, most likely. Uh, there was a part of me that was frankly just sad. You know, I, I was excited to experience that for the first time, not having this costume on as an ally, um, whether that was conscious or, you know, unconscious. Pride, though to me this year means even more because I have received so many messages of support and love since coming out. And I have also received really ignorant, rude, um, disturbing things. And I had never gone through that. And frankly, to be a member of a community such as the LGBTQIA community, suffering has been a part of that for a long time. And the way that that suffering was removed were through riots and were through, it wasn't walking around in sparkles with parade floats. It was protesting and standing up for human rights and fighting to just be loved for exactly who you are. And that's exactly what's happening right now. So when I, when I think of pride in 2020, it's feeling good about who you are whether that is honestly your sexuality, your gender, the color of your skin, your religion, I don't, it's, it's about celebrating that. And right now we need to support the people who need it most. And at one time that was the LGBTQ community. It may be again at some point. Right now it's not. You know, especially in New York, it, it, 
the LGBTQ community in New York is a very celebrated and loved community. Not to say that there's not hate or violence or all the other horrible things, but for the most part, it's an accepted and loved community. The Black community is not, and that's not okay. So this year is special because we now get to come together as a group that has been prejudiced and fought against and we get to help another group that has been pushed down and has not been allowed to have the same existence as other people and especially those who cross over you know black queer people black trans people when there's that overlap in there like that's who that is who I'm showing up for because that's what that's what this is that's what it's all about is accepting and loving each other for exactly who we are (laughs) self-love it's a big topic one that gets thrown around all the time and one that's really popular in the queer community it's all about self-love self-acceptance and I think so often we misidentify and misinteract um, around the concept of self-love um, with everything being constantly positive. Um, I personally believe and teach that we exist as humans in our polarity. We cannot love ourselves without loving the dark parts, the messy parts, the parts that we don't want to show. And we also can't honor the dark parts without the light. And a big, big running theme that uh, every human I spoke to in this space was about talking about, you know, um, learning to love yourself in, the, in a space that has for so many years been oppressed and been not accepted. And while the LGBTQIA community is widely um, more accepted now and there is legislature that is, you know, continuing to move in that direction, it's still not that simple. It's not constantly celebratory. And Uh, What I love about Pride this year is that it's reflecting that on so many levels um, and our voices are being heard and shown for the people who need it most, our our incredible, um, beautiful black friends, family members, activists, and humans that we don't know. Um, And what I found so beautiful in these particular conversations is talking about self-love and also what it means to be in the queer community and how that polarity exists. And I wanted to share some snippets before we close about that because I believe that that is what is worth celebrating, the light and the dark and all of the in-between and seeing yourself again in all of those things and saying it is okay to have these feelings it is okay to feel frustrated it is okay to not feel fully um celebratory and in love with this this community um because there are elements of it that are incredible and there are elements of it that are challenging and we need to accept all of the above so let's get into that i've always i love the queer community i've always loved 
you know, certainly there are many parts that need to be re-examined and that are toxic and that are racist and that are sizist and ableist. Um, but in my, in the queer community that I have cultivated and I've been welcomed in, um, you know, there's, there is at its best and there is this uh, drive for self-love and for health and for self-health that is, um, that is the, the core of, of what it is to be queer. Um, that, that, that it is looking inside yourself and that anyone, anyone should do and, and finding discomforts and things that stop you from, uh, you know, wearing that outfit out or stop you from what will that person think about me and kind of examining what I can do to make myself a healthier person. And I think, you know, for cis straight people that takes one form and for a lot of people um, that takes the form of how can I be comfortable in my relationships? How can I be comfortable in my body? And that leads to queerness, it leads to transness and it leads to um, like a, a self understanding that, that affects all areas of life and all relationships. And that comes from a really healthy and loving place. And um, I think what gets in the, in the way of that, because obviously I'm speaking to like a utopian uh, version where all, all trans and queer people are treated with respect in order to get to that place. There are so many combatant outside forces uh, that are ignorant and bigoted that stop um, you know, my community from being able to uh, express that uh, healthy power um, and that stop people from seeing it because they're so set on pushing it down. But I'm so surrounded by those people. I was at Stonewall uh, two days ago for a pride vigil. Um, and just hearing those leaders talk about the importance of like loud love and loud self-love and accepting people and being accepted. It's just, it's the, it's the most beautiful and most healthy things I've ever heard in my life. It's, it's an incredible community. The people who aren't learning from it, I think are afraid to have that introspection and and seek change for the things that they, are afraid of in themselves. Because I know that I'm a cisgender white guy, I, I try to stay aware of that privilege and how it colors my view of these things. My point is that if I, as a cisgender white guy, feel this ostracized by my community because I'm not a gym bunny or whatever, I'm not the perfect ideal for the gay male world, imagine what it must be like to be someone of color or to be transgender or to be anything that's way more noticeable and, and we can't do this to each other and i don't know how to fix it uh but i do know that this has been my experience the queer community has been isolating and lonely and i can't I have to repeat it. If I'm having such a hard time as a cisgender white guy, I can't possibly imagine what it must feel like for other folks uh, who are part of a, a larger minority than I. So in short, I because I've never experienced the discrimination like some of my peers, I've never had I've never been kicked out of my house for being gay. It was accepted. Hell, half the time I have to remind my folks that like, just because I'm gay, that means I also want kids and, and a, a, a home and two and a half kids and a white picket fence and all that crap. But just because I've never experienced that sort of discrimination, I've always felt bad about being myself. And sometimes the adage, the, the 
saying of loving yourself is hard when it feels like the world you're supposed to be the most accepted in is making you feel like an outsider. Being a part of this community, to me, just really demonstrates love and acceptance and loving yourself for who you are. We're all going to go through this journey in our own time, and we're all going to figure things out in our own way, and that's okay, because I'm here to love you every step along the way. And that's what being queer means to me. Being queer. (laughs) It looks different on all of us. And there is no right way to be yourself. Trust me, (laughs) I have tried. (laughs) And uh, the, the greatest gift I ever gave myself was to come home to me and allow myself to fully be and slowly peel back the layers that I put on that weren't mine in the first place and that I was scared to own for fear of of being other, for fear of not being seen and loved and accepted and um, pride this year to me is the first time that I am truly standing in my own skin (laughs) ever in my whole life, like fully standing in my own skin. And it feels really, really powerful for me. It feels really in fucking credible to be 110% transparent. And as I am listening along to this episode with you, because you better believe that I am celebrating hard, I am more grateful than you know for uh, what my queerness has given me and my life. And it's also made things really complicated. <laughs> um, and that's also okay. Um, the polarity is beautiful. And I want to thank again Maggie, Matt, Lindsay, Andrew, Kristen, Preston, Matt, and Rachel for uh, their stories, their words, their vulnerabilities, and their incredible candor. It is humans like you that I am so grateful to know, to have in my life, and um, to call my family and my community. And if you are listening and are hiding a piece of yourself, I am always here for you. <laughs> um, if you need someone who is maybe a stranger in your world um, to to connect with, um, you can always email me at amandacatherineloy at gmail.com. I'm literally always here for you. And um, I hope that this episode empowered the fuck out of you Um, no matter how you identify, because ultimately, again, we're all simply human. So everything, uh, again, all all the stuff about the the OG episode where I came out is in your show notes. Um, You can see everything we chatted about in today's episode at amandacatherineloy.com forward slash podcast forward slash 100. And this is the end of season four. Um, We will be taking a break I will be coming back with season five and a whole new slew. Um, We're going to be bumping up the podcast, my friends. Um, 
in a few months in the fall. So stay tuned. Um, and uh, in the meantime, share this episode in celebration of pride. Share it with your friends, family. Share it um, on your social media tag. Um, tag me at Amanda Catherine Loy um, and um, and just share the love um, and share all of it because being a whole human is um, is about owning who we are at our core and there is nothing more empowering and beautiful than than that and than the expression of that so until next season I will miss you guys and I'll see you on the flip side bye-bye